Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. I don't know about you. We got a ton of stuff to do today on the show. <laughs> Andy Staples is going to join us. I don't know about you, but I feel like we've had two of the best opening first weekends of college football ever. Yes. And I think that absolutely applies to the SEC. So I don't know why we wouldn't expect another amazing one this weekend, Aaron. It's been so good. Right. It's been so good. We're spoiled. It literally feels like end of the season, like rivalry oh. type, like excitement level of games each week. And and, and we are going to lots of we, surprises. Yes. And we are going to talk about Alabama and we're going to talk about what they did against Texas. And what does that mean moving forward? I want to know if Aaron thinks that Alabama is actually in trouble or can these problems be solved by the greatest coach in the history of the universe? Mm-hmm. So we have to discuss some of that. But by and large, Aaron, we can talk about SEC football, like 12 other teams having really fun, interesting, dramatic like stuff happening. And it doesn't have to focus on the college football playoff or the national championship. And that is what makes this season already so enjoyable to me is that it doesn't have to. We don't have And Andy Staples is going to say this later. It doesn't have to be about the national championship. You can fall in love with college football every Saturday by watching Kentucky and Florida. I know. I I really, really hope that this isn't a fake out and that it continues (laughs) to be like this. But just because there are so many teams that are finding their footing again for the first time in a long time, especially in this conference, um, it's just inevitably going to be more exciting because they're like uh, talent levels of each teams are more in alignment than we're used to them being like Kentucky and Florida is a perfect example of that. So hopefully they'll stay close for the rest of the season. Well, I sure as hell hope we didn't just screw the whole thing up and jinx the entire season. I know that's what I'm worried about. I was like, stop saying that. Well, but if we can't just celebrate how much fun our favorite sport has been through two weeks, then what's the fucking point? (laughs) I know I've just done too much baseball. I'm like the most like, (laughs) that's true. Just well, the zoo, baseball baseball is way more superstitious. There's I, I know it's just it's carried over. It's leaked into other things for me. Aaron, at least Aaron did not wash her jock strap for at least three months one year. And Vandy won the national championship in baseball because of it. So, yeah, right. I work for Coach Corbin. Shit gets washed twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is that dude is on time. He's got it pinned <laughs> up. He is on time. All right. Andy Staples is going to join us a little bit later on, of course. Uh, Vanderbilt has a chance to hit the over. We told you two and a half. They got a chance to do it this weekend. We got Mississippi State at LSU. Could not be a more interesting Dak Prescott Bowl. Uh, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Kentucky, all with big wins. They don't have a whole lot going on this weekend. So I wanted to talk to you about staying power. Those are three teams we talked a lot about in the preseason. They sort of seem to be delivering on some of that hype, but let's see which ones have staying power. Which ones do we like the most? Which ones can can maybe elevate themselves? Mississippi State maybe belongs in that conversation. And if you're a, if you're a Bulldog fan, just wait until Andy Staples later on, and just get, get get ready to take your pants off and have a good time listening to Andy Staples talk about your program. Okay, it's going to be just full fledged love affair coming pants up a little bit. Off jock yeah. straps. This has already gone it, awry. Oh, oh yeah, it's week three, baby. It's week three. Uh, what is wrong with Texas A&M? We got to <laughs> talk about the Aggies after that nonsense. Auburn is going to play Penn State, Miami, and Texas A&M, two huge non-conference games. Auburn's offense didn't look all that great. We know that Brian Harson's probably not going to survive. So what the hell's going on with the quarterback situation at those two teams? I told you I wasn't drinking the Auburn Kool-Aid. Uh, you're, hey, you, you, 
You 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 will take a victory lap if and when uh, you get to do that, which could happen this weekend. I'm not saying I want that for them. I'm just you know. No, it's about you. It's about you and me. Right. It's about you and me. And I was kind of like, oh, here's how you could see how Auburn might be good. And you were like, no, I don't think so. And so wasn't ready to bite the bait. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so we'll talk, obviously, Georgia and Alabama and all this good stuff. I will say uh, if you make sure you check out on the what what should people do on the YouTube page, Aaron? Subscribe to it. So you'll just know when new stuff comes out. And that's helpful for us um, so we can make sure that our content's getting to the right audience and um you can like it leave comments make fun of Braden in the comments that's always um, that's that's american really pastime. aggressive complaints towards him are <laughs> more than welcome um i can but, take those too but it's not as yeah, fun yeah you're, you're more of the dishing it out uh side of this relationship between you and yeah, i that's where i like um, to live if you want to check out the the YouTube page, you can watch, uh, of course, Stephen Lassen and I give picks against the spread for every single game in the SEC all season. I just want to I just want to brag for a second because right now I have a good record, so I can brag now. Okay, yeah. Uh, when when we have a bad it. record, right? You got to take the iron tot. Yes, you got to take the victory lap when you can. I am currently fourteen and seven on the year against the spread in the SEC. Hmm. Fourteen and seven. Mm-hmm. What's Lasso? Uh, nine and twelve. I'm kicking his ass. So make sure you check out the other episode. We put it out Friday morning. You can sh- you can get it on the pod, but really you should watch it on the YouTube channel because that's when like no humans actually seen Steven Lassen. People don't know <laughs> if he exists. <laughs> he does. We can confirm, but we, we can't I don't see why people would would be confused. I went seven and four in week one. I went six and three last week. I am making people money. I am 14 and seven. So maybe fade me this week, but I'm just saying go check out the other show. That's all I'm saying. Yep. You too. All right. So Texas and Alabama. I want to start here real quickly on the broadcast side of things. Texas and Alabama, okay. 10.6 million, the number one broadcast uh, of, of any broadcast of the season so far, beat Ohio State and Notre Dame. No surprise. The big noon Fox thing has done really, really well. It was a great game. Tremendous drama. Game days there. You got the Texas Longhorns moving to the SEC, the former Nick Saban assistant. And it turns out to be a spectacular football game. Almost 11 million people. Uh, I am waiting for the Greg Sankey tweet of like, yeah, this is going to be all ours soon, Fox. <laughs> like, yeah, b- both yeah, of these are going to be, either. yeah, both of these are going to be in the SEC and they're going to be on ESPN in, in two years. So just let, just letting y'all know, Fox, enjoy it while you got it. He won't rub it in that much, but he probably wants to. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Sankey sent, sent sent out a tweet, something like that. He Sankey's good on the Twitter, man. Yeah, he is entertaining. It might be a little forward even for him, but who knows? He's had, he's had a feisty couple of a year and a half, you know? Yep. So I just, before we get into like, are the struggles for Alabama real? Just again, celebrating how wonderful it was to watch just really smart football guy. It's Steve Sarkeesian drawing up really smart plays with a Alabama D frankly, that's the most undisciplined Alabama team I've ever seen in the history of Nick Saban football. And if they don't knock out Quinn Ewers, they might lose that game. So it yep. does raise some questions about how concerned we should be about some of the problems with Alabama. But man, just what a game. What a Penalties, game. yes. Definitely messier, a lot more mistakes than we're used to Alabama making. But I will say, in true Alabama fashion, can you be that shocked that they were somehow able to pull that off? I had a friend driving home whose husband is a huge Alabama fan. She called me with like, you know, just a minute remaining or whatever. And I was like, if you need to come, she lives in Atlanta. I said, I'm not going to talk to you on the end of, at the end of this game, but if you need somewhere to stay, you can drive to Nashville. She's like, I'm not going home until, but 
until this is over and the result is Alabama winning. I was like, yeah, I would not recommend it. But Nick Saban also has a way of cleaning up mistakes faster than any other program. So I have a feeling we will see significantly less penalties and sloppy mistakes this coming week. So I, I will say this. This is going to sound like I'm defending Alabama here, but I'm not. It's sort of an attack on Twitter and the Internet. Okay. Everyone seems to be bending over backwards to give as much possible credit to the, the officials and that like they were they were just in the bag for Alabama. And if it wasn't for some bad calls, Texas should have won. And I'm just sort of like th- there were some pass interference calls that could have gone both ways. Texas got some. Alabama got one. There was a couple holding calls that could have gone both ways. The weird safety call is the weirdest mm-hmm. one of all, because in theory, you could argue, no matter if you're a Texas fan or an Alabama fan, you could argue it both ways. You could say, yeah. all right, I'm, I'm an Alabama fan. How the hell did you just like invent a rule where you said, oh, it's roughing the passer and targeting, but we just we just misspoke. We just forgot that it was roughing the passer. Don't worry about that. And that's just like making up a rule to help Texas. So like, it's, yeah, it was weird. And then on the other side, if you're a, if you're a Texas fan, sure. You could be like, well, it should have been a safety. It was intentional grounding or it, it didn't get deflected or maybe he was in the grasp. Like the, the point is, and I don't know how you see that, saw that play, Aaron. I feel like that play was the embodiment of the game in that both sides are pissed at the officials equally mm-hmm. and have a right to be. It has, this has to me, this had nothing to do with the officials. I think it takes away from what Texas accomplished. This is about Bryce Young doing Bryce Young things in the last two possessions when he had to do it the most and they won the game because it's Bryce Young and he's the best player on the field. Like I, I don't know how you saw the, the officiating, but I, I felt like the conversation on social media and talk radio has just been so lazy and all it is is bitching about officials. Yeah, it's that's that was not my takeaway from the game. I did think there were some weird moments throughout it, like you mentioned, but that's just it really came down to just if you're Texas and you have an opportunity like that to, you know, to take Alabama down to win that game. How do you close it? I think, you know, and I'm not saying that there are coaching problems. I'm just saying there's a lot of strategy that goes into, you know, being up against Alabama with a minute to go is way too much time left. It's, I mean, it's a little over a minute, I think. I can't oh, yeah, remember exactly. Yeah, I wanna, like a was, minute and a half or something. Yeah, like it was kind of... it. 139, me. A buddy see. of mine texted me and he goes, Texas is going to kick a field goal here and then Alabama is going to kick a field goal and they're going to win 20 to 19. And that was like before Texas even got the ball in their drive. And to mm-hmm. your point, like I never thought Texas was going to finish. I never no. thought they were going to finish. And I don't think the officials... I don't like being pro Alabama here or sounding like it. I just don't think the officials had anything to do with it. No. And it's just, it, it just is. Can you actually close it out? And it's, it, that's not me speaking down about Texas ability to be able to finish it because I think that was in a very, I mean, granted Alabama did make a lot of mistakes. It's not like Texas beat a clean, mature, completely mature, perfect Alabama team, like not even close to that, but just being able to come that close, especially um, having, you know, not even being in the thick of sec play. You're not, they're not even in the sec yet. So they haven't been, you know, playing the teams like at the level of the sec West for, you know, over and over for the past several decades. So I think that, you know, what Bryce Young is able to do is just kind of who he is. That's what he does. That's what Alabama does. I will say very impressive performance by um, Texas's kicker and just like special teams and what they were able to do. Named Auburn. It just named Auburn, not confusing at all, but Bert, it just wasn't, Auburn. <laughs> it just wasn't enough, unfortunately for them. And I, um, I feel bad for 
uh, well, I don't feel bad for Alabama at practice this week, but I can tell you, yeah. you make mistakes. Saban is it's going to be it's going to yeah. be a tough tough days on the Alabama practice field. Yeah, fifteen penalties the most ever under Nick Saban in a game. Um, it does raise some questions, and I want to get your thoughts on this in a second. But I, okay. but before we do, like the Texas, like if lost in all of that conversation is how well, like to your point, how well Texas played, the defense played well. Sarkeesian, I thought was really good on offense. Quinn yep. Ewers is clearly the guy. So I guess what I should, what I would hope for SEC fans, as just a fan of the league and a fan of really good college football, what I hope people take away from it is, I think we went into the game saying, all right, Texas. This is a rude awakening for you. You're going to play Bama. Welcome to the SEC. Whereas I come away from that game saying, Will Anderson said this after the game as well. Like that's the loudest atmosphere he's ever played in. Really? The, I the, didn't the, hear him. The city that. was the city was completely alive. Like, like they 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 put on an SEC show. And it's like, if that's how it's going to be, and those are the kind of games we're going to get, and that's the atmosphere, and that's the vibe. Come on down, baby. <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the league. No, and then it was hard to imagine exactly what these mashups were going to look like um, as a, as we add Texas and Oklahoma, just because they haven't you know been around. But yeah, you're right. If that was if that was a preview, then I don't think anybody's com- going to complain. Um, I also think we need to like hats off to Texas's defense, like extremely impressive performance from them. Um, and Gary Patterson, I think, was a big part of that. He's yep. uh, Sarkeesian yep. hired him. From TCU, was that maybe last? Yeah, he was recently well, he in was, the spring, right? He was fired from TCU after like thirty years or whatever, and then and then but so ap- he yes, picked him up. Yeah. Absolutely, did work on that defense for sure. Yep, the defense looks great. I mean, that's it's a strong start for Texas. Their season could look a lot, a, a lot better and different than I thought than I had predicted. I didn't think they were going to be bad by any stroke of the imagination, but right. that performance against Alabama kind of puts them in a different category for me as we're moving forward. And, and I understand every single argument against conference realignment and big business and all the things we complain about with yeah, expansion. We, we, yeah. we all understand why people feel that way. And they're all very, those feelings are warranted. I, if I, but if I'm on the other side arguing about what the future could look like, I put that game on television. And I say, watch that. Cause mm-hmm. that's going to, that that's, that's the future for 50 years. You're telling me that Bama, Texas for the next 50 years won't be hella fun. Yeah. Give me, give me a break with that. That's going to be mm-hmm. awesome. Yep, and then it really is. Then you add A and M to this mix, and you're like, A and M still sucks. <laughs> Texas and A and M every year are going to do that shit. That's amazing. So, yep. I, Saban this, said that if they were in the SEC, they'd be in the top half. And obviously, it's you know when you almost unseat Alabama, go. it's hard to deny that. So, all right, bring it uh, on. offensive line couldn't run the football. Receiving core not all that great. Lots of discipline problems. What what of the three do you think is something that could actually cost them down the road? Whether it's Arkansas, whether it's Tennessee game whether it's Georgia in the title game, a playoff game, just is there any, like, what of that stuff do you think they can, they, what, what is the thing that you are most concerned about of that group? And then do we think they fix it and it's just Saban being great or, or there are actual concerns here for Alabama? I don't, I don't necessarily think that the penalties are going to continue to be a thing. I think those are cleanup issues. They are guys in, you know, like having different guys maybe with a little bit less experience in certain positions, not being able to settle themselves, not really totally understanding, you know, probably not being able to hear if it was as loud as Will Anderson said it was. Um, So just kind of getting, working through those. I think if those mistakes continued throughout the year, that would be the most concerning to me, but I don't think that they will. I think that just cleaning things up on the offensive line is going to be what serves them best uh, heading into the rest of the season. 
I agree. I think that's the hardest one to fix, though. Like, it I think the they, hardest one to fix. I think they fix the penalties and the discipline. Yeah. I, I think the receiving core can kind of evolve and develop and maybe become more rhythmic with Bryce Young. The one that concerns me is the offensive line. That's the one that, like, because if, if they play like that against Georgia, Georgia's going to beat that ass. Yeah, and then you just really have to – any kind of problems on the offensive line obviously can open up possibilities for injury, especially at the quarterback position, and we definitely don't want that. So yep. um, that would be the most important to me. I don't think that the disciplinary or penalties will last very long. They never <laughs> do. Even when I mean, that's a lot of penalties for Alabama. But even when we've seen them have less than that, but still a significant amount compared to normal, they're pretty much clean the next week. Yeah, there's no question. And they will host poor UL Monroe as a 50-point favorite this weekend. Yikes. Uh, I would imagine some help there. Uh, so, again – Coming out of this, like, welcome to the SEC Texas. Going to be a ton of fun to have you. Alabama's maybe not as great as we thought. Still figured out a way to win. They're much closer to Georgia than I think. I would have Georgia maybe ahead of them right now. That makes for an even more exciting race in the SEC when it comes to those upset games we've been talking about all summer. And it means Georgia and Alabama potentially in a championship game is more even than we thought. Like, all of this should be good for SEC fans, what we saw over the weekend. Georgia, by the way, a two-touchdown favorite at South Carolina. South Carolina really banged up, really injured. We can t- we'll talk about Arkansas in a second, but that is I don't know. That's a that's a noon kickoff at Williams Bryce with a banged up team and Spencer Rattler. I try to tell y'all that you should not be buying this Spencer Rattler hype. He has not been very good. Twenty four point underdog. What did I say? Two touchdowns. You said, t- t- you said no. two touchdowns. I was like two that dozen. Sound- two dozen. Sorry, I, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I was like, wait, somebody need get on like DraftKings right, <laughs> right now. now. <laughs> I'm like, hold on, please. No, pause. you're right. That's so stupid. I don't know why two two dozen is not even a way that I would normally describe a point two spread dozen, ever. Po- a baker's dozen plus who nine says, points. <laughs> who says they're favored by two dozen? Like I don't. Nobody says that they're favored by twenty four points on that, the road against South Carolina, and I I think I like much Georgia. More like it. Yeah, I, I think I like Georgia. Definitely, I mean, a little harder to take than two touchdowns, but not that much harder. <laughs> Shane Beamer was not, he was downplaying a lot of stuff at the press conferences this week. There's, that's for sure. All right. Some, something that cannot be downplayed at all. And again, we're going to get to Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi State, LSU, and Andy Staples. Um, Texas AM, and we'll kind of package Auburn into this because there's two great games coming up this week with Penn State at Auburn. Auburn struggling big time with the quarterback position there. No touchdowns. They barely beat San Jose State. And then, of course, Texas A&M and the slowest effing offense of all time. Like, I don't know what we need to say about Texas A&M's offense other than you got to figure it out. We'll talk to Staples about this later, Aaron. He says that Jimbo Fisher needs to go on a vision quest and he needs to figure it out because this is this is every single year Texas A&M does this to us. And every single year we we don't think it's going to happen. And then it does. And. This one's even worse because Appalachian State had 80-something plays. Texas A&M ran 38. It just, yeah, Texas it was A&M had less than 200 yards of total defense. They had the ball, they had possession of the ball for less than 20 minutes and uh, were only allowed 186 yards by App State. That's what App State's defense allowed. And honestly, without, without A-Chain's punt return, 
App yeah. State only would have allowed one touchdown against Texas A&M, which obviously we know went into the went into the season as one of the highest ranked programs in the country. It's just here's my thought, my takeaway from it is I know people want to. I heard people, you know, mouthing off on Twitter talking about we want to see Max Johnson. It's a little bit. I I think it's a little bit early to be saying all that. Haynes King did have problems, but there were times he is able, he is agile. He can like move around in the pocket. He can make things happen at times, but he's not the only problem. There's definitely development issues on this offense that have not figured not have not been worked out yet. And there are coaching issues. Like it, this is too, this is too different from the Texas A&M that we thought we were going to have that it's, it can be one thing. It's just not, it's not only Haynes King. There are a slew of issues right. on this offense that need to be worked out. It, it, it needs to be a new offense. It needs to evolve. How long did we talk about Kirby Smart evolving the offense? How, oh, can they evolve the, can they win a national title without evolving the offense? Alabama did it with Lane Kiffin. Got to evolve the offense. Like everybody has to do this. Like, frankly, Kentucky, like when does Mark Stoops need to evolve the offense? Well, he went and hired two NFL different coordinators in two back-to-back years. And now Will Levis is throwing the ball around. Like you, you mm-hmm. have to evolve. Tennessee went to a, co- a coach in Josh Heupel that has changed the offense. Like you have to move the game forward. And Jimbo Fisher hasn't developed a quarterback. Right. He has not changed his offense. He will not run tempo. He won't do anything to fix the thing that has been the problem. And you don't. Well, you just completely limit yourself. Like I know we're going to get to Kentucky, so we won't dive too far into it. But when you evolve, like you, obviously, this is probably like just a super obvious statement. But then you at least give teams less of an idea of exactly how to prepare for you. Like Kentucky, you could tell Florida was trying to stop Kentucky on the ground at many points throughout that game. That was kind of what they were trying to do. And then Kentucky is able to just make a play because the defense is just playing a completely different scheme or thinking Kentucky's going to do one thing and they're doing the other. And when you're stagnant, like Texas A&M is proving to be right now, and you you have to be really, really good if you're not going to change your scheme at all to evolve the game. And so now you're predictable and not that good. You got to, I mean, something's got to give. And you're going to play Miami this week. Now, frankly, as a five-point favorite, that seemed odd to me. Maybe Vegas is overvaluing, or maybe Miami's been overrated. I, I've always thought that was going to be a really good game. I like Miami to win outright, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, Penn State's a three-point favorite, but how about AM? They're going to play Arkansas and then Mississippi State and then Bama. Yeah, they don't like, get a break at all. They got four incredibly difficult games over the next with great quarterbacks over the course of the next month. And it like a, a, an elite AM team could go three and one in that stretch. An yeah. average AM team could go two and two. A bad one could lose three games. And then all of a sudden we're talking six and six, seven and five. And then we're in a very different conversation about this program. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they bounce back. I do think they bounce back there. It's not, I don't think we should bury them just yet. That was a, that was a veteran app state team. You know, that's an app state team that does this to everybody, right? Like they almost is sneaky. They always have been as long as I can remember at least. Yeah. They almost beat Tennessee. They they beat Michigan. There's a lot of, they've, they've had leads over power five teams, like eight of their last 10 games that they've played. So like they are very good in this situation. It just should not happen like that to this team in that situation, the way A&M played so poorly along the offensive line. Auburn's not that much better. They've got Penn state. Which one would you like? Of the two games, which one are you more interested in? Penn State at Auburn, knowing that Brian Harson's probably getting fired no matter what happens? Or are you more interested in the train wreck that could be A&M hosting Miami in, in a situation where we know there's no 
chance that Jimbo Fisher gets fired. I am more, I do think that the Auburn Penn state game is going to be, is I do think it's very intriguing, but I think it has less of an effect on the sec, the whole picture of the sec than this Miami, Texas A&M game does. I think that Auburn is Auburn's not going to be there competing at the end, um, you know, or being in the top, that top tier of the sec play this year. I've, I don't think <laughs> so with Texas A&M Miami, I think it will give us a gauge of like, are there really like huge fundamental problems that Texas A&M is going to have to rebuild back from and completely change their scheme to like, you know, keep to catch up or was, was last week a fluke and app state really just played their ass off. And there's like little changes they could tweak on the offense that would make a bigger difference than yeah. it seems like they would, but I, I agree. It seems like, like some big changes need to happen to me, but like from from like a nerdy football standpoint, I feel like A and M Miami is the more interesting game. You've got a really great quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke. You've got you know a, just two teams that never play each other, right? Like I think that's an interesting part of this. And and again, to your point, like what what let's find out more about how deep the problems go with the Aggies. Right. Like that's a nerdy football thing, right? With a coach right. who's not in any danger of being fired. Whereas with Penn State, James Franklin, Sean Clifford's forty seventh year. You know, like two good defenses, giant question marks at quarterback with Auburn. Like that feels this kind of has like an LSU Florida State vibe mm-hmm. where like I just have it's it's not the nerdy analytics like big picture stuff, because, again, we kind of know James Franklin's going to be there and Brian Harson won't. But that one just has like a total chaos vibe to me that I'm really enjoying. So I'm I see both of them for what they're going to be. And I can't again, we'll make our picks against the spread with Steven on Friday. But like. I, I can see the Florida State LSU chaos in the Auburn Penn State game where people are just blown away by what they're watching. <laughs> I think it's very possible. It's it does it gives LSU you mentioned LSU and it does give LSU vibes because I I don't really know what to think about this game. I don't do you know what the spread I don't have the spread in front uh, three, of me. Penn State's favored by three on the road at Auburn. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yikes. We're all going to find out together because I sure as hell don't know what's going to happen. Um, I have no idea. Um, I don't either. And is I... there an out- how about this? Is there an outcome that would shock you? Like anything that ha- what's the thing that could happen in that game that would shock you? Really good question. Um, Like an Auburn quarterback going off and them scoring 42 points and them winning easily by 30. That that might shock me. If Aub- yeah, if Auburn has like a stellar performance and doesn't u- use Tank Bigsby at all, <laughs> I don't surprising. know. It would take no. a lot to shot. I don't. I have no idea what to expect. So, your guess is as good as mine. I feel that way about Mississippi State LSU as well. You do because like Mississippi State is a really good football team. I've been talking them up all 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 season. Again, Eddie Staples is going to do an even more even more of that later on. But this LSU game. Man, the Dak Prescott Bowl, LSU kind of just quietly licked its wounds for a week, didn't really do much, just went about its business against an FCS opponent. Mississippi State goes out west late at night and plays a, a pretty interesting Arizona team very well and beats them. Uh, you know, if you look at some of the numbers on that that game against Arizona, like Arizona scored early and then didn't do much scoring after that at all. So mm-hmm. that was even more of a blowout than people thought. I it, This is not going to be KJ Costello. You know, remember that from week one? 2020 pandemic where he threw for like 4 billion oh yards. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be like that, but I could see it. I, I mean, think about one and two for Brian Kelly. That is not a good look. No, it wouldn't be. And yeah, state has definitely, I mean, they've 
like played a solid, like they've had solid passing game. Their defense looks good. Um, they were able to like level, level themselves and still have a very impressive performance against Arizona, even after that weather delay. And it just, um, LSU still has question marks. I feel like it's going to be a very close game. I don't know why two, necessarily two why. Okay. I hadn't even, I hadn't looked at yeah, this Miss, spread yet. Mississippi state laying two points on the road against LSU. I just, I think that the, with Mississippi state, the further along we get in the season, although we don't know what's going to happen, I do think we're going to start to really, uh, if you can't put your finger on why Mississippi state is just able to pull things off and, and you didn't necessarily think they were going to be good. You should definitely remind yourself of how many returning starters they have <laughs> from the last, just the mat that maturity as you go through the season is just, it, it's a difference maker and it's a quiet difference maker because we talk all about it in the off season about how many guys are returning because we're grasping on things to talk about and waiting for football season to start. But as you get into the season, that experience really starts to show. And I, I think this team is really going to prove what it's like to have 16 returning starters and where that can get you. I feel like I've been on the Mississippi state bandwagon for a long time. You have, you, well, I mean, you probably, you deep dive a little bit more than, you know, your I just feel, I, I just mean, uh, no, sure. I just mean that I feel like, I feel like you it was like, a, this year? Yeah, I just mean like, no, 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 this, like that. I think this team will be very good, better than people think. Like since April, I feel like I've been saying, take the over on the six and a half wins this is Mike Leach, year three, to exactly to your point, how experienced they are. And, and and there's a lot of other things to this. They run a 3-3-5 defense, and they run an air raid offense, which are very different than everything else that you see in the SEC. It, I love, I've love. i been talking about Zach Garnett, I feel like, on every episode, the defensive coordinator for Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. I just feel like I've been on them, and this is one of those games that if you're going to be on a team like this, they got to go win. And if LSU pulls off an upset, changes the narrative completely about Brian Kelly and LSU, I, they're going to have to figure out a way to pressure the quarterback. I don't know how they do that without Mason Smith. But yeah. if Mississippi State goes down there, then I feel totally validated on all the things that I've been thinking for the last four months, I guess. I don't know. I'm Would looking you for you still... to validate my early love of Mississippi State. No, yeah. You, you, I mean, you were definitely talking about how good Mississippi State is. And it was it, it was the most obvious when we were actually ranking the West versus we did all SEC yeah. West rankings yeah. and SEC East, and then you see who all you put them in front of, and you're like, oh, wow, that's a, that's a big testament to who Mississippi State is. Because um, I don't remember – I think you had the – did you have them third in the West? Uh, I did have them higher than Auburn. and I did have them higher than – I had them like third or fourth. I think I had them fourth. After access, after A&M, Alabama. After Arkansas – Alabama, A&M, Arkansas, and then – and maybe LSU might have been there, which means this is the game that will decide the pecking order potentially mm -hmm. between those two. I had him above Auburn and Ole Miss for sure, whereas everybody else is picking Mississippi State near the bottom. So I, I don't know. I've, I yep. think I feel like I've been on the bandwagon for a while. I think so too. And if they're deep, like if LSU, if LSU's defense can get off the field on third down against Will Rogers, they'll be you know in a much, setting themselves up to be in a much better position. Would you still be impressed with Mississippi State if? Are you only impressed with Mississippi State if they win by what? Like, are you impressed if the game's close and they lose by a field goal? If so, I, if you're doing the exercise win loss win loss win loss at the beginning of the year, this is probably one you put down as a loss because we talked up. I mean, listen, I'll I don't be fair. Think I did. I, I was talking about LSU like they're going to be much better this year. Brian Kelly's going to have a big impact in year one. Like those are the things I was saying about LSU as well. And I just think their schedule is a little easier than Mississippi State's. And this is one of the reasons, like they get this game at home. And, and you know, I don't, 
if Mississippi State goes in there and wins, period, at all, by any way, stretch, like any style of game, any way possible, I think it is a huge statement about both programs. Yeah. And if LSU wins a close one, I don't think it's a huge statement about each program. I just think it's, all right, Brian Kelly's a good coach. LSU's got better players. Right. Mississippi State still has some work to do to catch up to the LSUs of the world. Yeah, LSU's only won three of the last five, but they've won 26 of the last 30, yeah. Yeah. which is pretty insane. But yeah, I think I think I'm, I have the same sentiment. I think it'll be a really good game and telling on both sides, and I do think it will be close. Yeah, I can't wait. That one's going to be great. Uh, mm -hmm. And and of course, uh, got to love those six o'clock nighttime starts in Baton Rouge. There's no question about that. Mm -hmm. um, all right, we're going to talk about Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Missouri, and Florida after we hear from Andy Staples. Okay. But before we do that, let's talk Arkansas, Tennessee, and Kentucky. So Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, all with big wins, all super entertaining games. In particular, the Tennessee Pittsburgh game. I don't know which one do you, which one are you most impressed with? Are Arkansas just sort of dominating South Carolina? Uh, you got Kentucky going down there with this phenomenal defensive game plan against Anthony Richardson, and then Tennessee's offense just sort of outlasting Pittsburgh and making big plays. Which one? Which one most impressive to you this past weekend? I mean, they were they were all really impressive, but I have to go with Kentucky, Florida. I just think Kentucky being able to continue to prove and find their identity like find their identity and stick with it. And then also what we mentioned earlier in as the opposite of Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher is Mark Stoops and the Wildcats adapting to the way that they need to play. Um, it's really hard not to just be completely like um, enamored with Will Levis and what he's able to do. Um, and that whatever that insane 60 yard pass was to to the um, goal line. Yeah. Yes. To the goal line. I mean, all of that. And just in it and what they're able to limit like Anthony Richardson from doing, I know there's problems with Florida that need to be worked out, but just Kentucky kind of had their number. What on the same front, watching Tennessee like, go back to being able to not just blow it in close games, but to pull it off was encouraging if you're a Tennessee fan or just someone's been following the SEC for a long time, um, all three. But I'd have to say Kentucky, Florida took it for me. So I, I think some of that is because Kentucky was a five and a half point underdog. We didn't expect it. And Anthony Richardson was coming off the the performance the week before against Utah. And I do think we like I think we tried to tell everybody, like, let's pump the brakes a little bit on Florida. Let's not go nuts. Yeah. Let's not put them in the top 15. The AP poll did that. I had them at like more like 18 to 20. And that's, I think where they're going to be. I think they're like middle of the pack SEC. Good. They're not great. They're not bad, which I think is what we we thought would happen. Anthony Richardson, if he has a great game will be great and they'll be good. And if he doesn't, you can get beat by really good, high quality programs like Kentucky, Tennessee to me. And we'll get to Arkansas. Cause I know you love Sammy boy, but like Tennessee to me, they're the team that's changing my mind maybe more than anything else. Because if they can figure out ways to get Cedric Tillman, Brew McCoy, and and Jalen Hyatt the football down the field like that, now I don't think every defense is going to play them the way Pittsburgh did, which is all about corners. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have corners and you can't pressure Hendon Hooker, like they're just going to score on you. Like they're going to make plays. That was a tough environment on the road. It, you know, they hammered the quarterback. They got the other dude out of the game. They got Slovis yeah. out of the game. Tennessee's the one where I'm like. Like I know they're all kind of preseason top they're they're all ranked in the top 15 now but Tennessee's the one where like maybe Tennessee's just much better <laughs> than we think. Well, the, on that same front, 
it's not like Tennessee had a perfect offensive game or special teams, which I think may seem, if it seems discouraging, I can argue the other direction that what Tennessee is able to do def- on the defensive side of the ball should be very encouraging for any Vols fans. And then if they're able to just clean up a, the, some of those, you know, mistakes or things that they were struggling with on offense and special teams, they could, you yeah. know, be even better. Um, yeah, major, a couple major special teams mistakes, and yeah, they they fell down early too. So it's like to rally from falling down early on the road, mm-hmm. and then to get like I agree, like. You, you knocked Keaton Slovis out of the game because you were hammering the guy. Like, yep. And then yeah. the backup got hurt too. Now, mm-hmm. the flip side of that is that your offense stalled out in the second half and then a backup quarterback who's got one leg came back and s- scored a touchdown to send it to overtime, right? Right. Yeah. That's the other side of that equation. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not yet ready to move them up to, wait for it, Arkansas territory. Yeah, no, I, I'm not ready for that either. <laughs> I'm definitely not. But you're, the, the, de- the chaos that Tennessee was able to create on on defense and just what you just alluded to in terms of you know uh wreaking havoc on pittsburgh quarterback situation um it should it should be encouraging and show you that there's tennessee has maturity if you if they can pull off a game that at times looked discouraging which is the difference if you i know vols fans like to memory wipe each year but if uh, you know Tennessee's had trouble just closing it out or getting behind and getting discouraged. And Hypo alluded to that after the game as well, just to the maturity that his team had and said, you know, if we had been in this situation last year and named all of the, all the problems that they had throughout the game, he said, I don't think we would have overcome this. And I agree. So uh, Tennessee's a 47 point favorite this weekend against Akron. So they will be three and oh, Kentucky's playing Youngstown state, which of course, Mark Stoops background there. Uh, So they will be three and oh, Arkansas is playing Bobby Petrino and Missouri State. So that's just a juicy nugget there. And of course, they'll be three and oh. And I think what's interesting about Arkansas to me in this conversation is like, I really like Will Le- Will Levis and I really like Hendon Hooker. I really like Tennessee's offense, but I'm not sure as much about the defense. I really like Kentucky's defense, but I'm not sure about the Kentucky offensive line. I'm not sure I have questions about Arkansas. Like, ooh. They they lined up and they just smashed South Carolina. They ran 80 plus plays. They did allow them to kind of come back in the game, but they've got the star quarterback who's just as good. They've got a defensive coordinator who's just as good as Kentucky's defense. Their offense is just as good as Tennessee's offense. I, I mean, they've already beaten Cincinnati. They've already beaten South Carolina. Like, I I, I think it's pretty clear that Arkansas is the number three team in this conference right now. Like ahead of AM, ahead of Kentucky, ahead of Tennessee. I don't know. Am I I know you love I, Sam, so I oh I do, and I'm I try not to be biased. I do love Sam, but with I do think Arkansas is I think they're number three on this side of the conference right now. I don't know if I can say that they because they beat South Carolina by fourteen that that really like solidified my thought. It's more of a just seeing what Arkansas's potential is. I mean, how they played against Cincinnati, I think is really impressive, and I'm not saying it's it's always impressive to win an S any sec matchup by two touchdowns truly unless sometimes like my alma mater i can't always say the same but <laughs> with you know with a team like south carolina um who's you know in a higher category than some of those you know than the vanderbilts of the sec it's it's still impressive i don't know if that gives me enough of well, who's an be- idea who, take georgia and alabama out of the equation who's better than Arkansas no, I'm saying right now. I'm, I'm saying I agree with them being in the third spot. I just wouldn't say like I know that because they beat South Carolina. 
No, it's it's less about it's, that. It's more yeah. about the two games and then how they're built. Yeah. So here's here's KJ Jefferson in two games. 385 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions, mm-hmm. 76% completion percentage, 8.2 yards per attempt, 37 rushing attempts, 129 yards on the ground, and two touchdowns. Yep. No turnovers. Almost, like, it, it, I know. Their stats are pretty insane. They're up 21 to 9 um, going into the half, and they had 300 yards on the ground at that point, I think. They, Five, it, I mean... Their, their first three drives were like 12-play, 70-yard touchdown drives right out of the gate mm-hmm. against South Carolina. Now, again, South Carolina banged up on defense. I agree with you. Let's keep it in perspective. But the win, is, win against Cincinnati is, a really, is going to end up being a good win. They covered that spread. They covered the spread against South Carolina. I just look at the way Tennessee, Kentucky, and and Arkansas, and all, the, all, of, all fans of those three teams don't listen to Andy Staples talk about Mississippi State. <laughs> if you're a Mississippi State fan, listen to Andy Staples. Trigger but, warning. Yeah, but but those three, I go, I still have like a little kernel of doubt about the defense for Tennessee, mm-hmm. and like and that system against really big high level competition. Kentucky, I still have questions about the offensive line and sort of the supporting cast around Levis, especially if Rodriguez is out. Mm-hmm. But but both very good teams. I right. don't like have yes yes Jalen Catalan is out for the season, which is a huge blow to the Arkansas defense, and they lost another defensive back as well. But but like. There's not a thing about the Arkansas Razorbacks that I am concerned about. I like their I like their offensive line. I like their supporting cast. I like their quarterback. I like their coaching staff. I like their defensive front. Like there's not a thing that I'm worried about. And it doesn't mean they're going to win every game, but like No, and just the stamina. Honestly, the stamina of this team, I know it's kind of hard to tell at times unless one side of the ball is forced to be or like offense versus defense is forced to be on the field for a really right. long time. It's hard to tell you know, how much these guys are dying, but to be able to put 23 <laughs> points up in the fourth quarter is just shows that at least on offense, that, I mean, that it just takes a lot Four quarters of sec football with that much, that, that physical with guys being that big, especially the lines in the sec and still having the stamina to put up 23 point, points in the fourth quarter is impressive. And that's just, you know, one more Testament to hopefully what Arkansas is able to pull off. Well, and it's also like, look at, how they run the football they do it with like receivers they do it with their quarterback who's 240 pounds yeah they do it with you know three or four different running backs like they're doing it with motion they're doing it with with options they're doing it with jet sweeps they're doing it with everything and they're being super creative again they ran the ball 65 times this game Raheem Sanders was spectacular he had another long run like called back but they're like if they're going to run 65 times for 300 yards and get efficient quarterback play, I, they're going to be very, very tough to beat. There's yeah, like so the many diversification of the, yeah. of what they're able to do is going to make it really hard to prepare for them and really hard yeah. to beat them. All right. So uh, I will take Arkansas and then I like, I still think I, I'd go Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee in that order. What would you go rank? If you're ranking the three of them so far through two weeks, I put Kentucky before Tennessee. That's what I got. Arkansas, Kentucky. Did I say Tennessee? Yeah. Damn. Don't copy me. No, I've bro. got Arkansas. I've got Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee. You said Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, but that's ah, okay. I screwed it up again. That's two of these. Come uh, on, Braden. No, I, I, I have. Then we're on the same page. I okay. think right. I put Kentucky above Tennessee. I threw two interceptions today. It's fine. It happens. All right. I got a that's man who's. Uh, we're going to talk Vandy, Ole Miss, Missouri, Florida real fast as we wrap up the show. But uh, before we do that, let's have a conversation with the athletics, Andy Staples.
Andy, welcome to the show. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, best two weeks of college football ever, in your opinion? I don't want to be accused of recency bias here, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it has been so much fun. And I, I was hoping this season would, would start like this because I did feel coming in that we really knew less about most teams than, than we've ever known before because the rosters have changed so much. And I think the results have borne that out. We just, we did yeah. not know what we were going to get. And I love it. I, yeah. I love that we go into each Saturday, like what craziness is going to happen now? <laughs> well, and we've got a bunch of games to get to for week number three. We'll get to those and some stuff that happened last week that I want to get your opinion on. But obviously for SEC fans with the opening at Nebraska starting the carousel even earlier this year than last year, yep. there are certainly some names that would be very attractive. So who should be most worried about the Nebraska job? Is it Kentucky fans with Mark Stoops? Is it Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin? It, I mean, who who would be a target for Nebraska that might actually be where the coach in the SEC might actually be legitimately interested in the job? Well, I, I think both of those gentlemen would be smart for Nebraska to target. Now, I, if I'm Stoops, I'm not going anywhere unless it is a place where I can compete for national championships. Kentucky's going to pay him whatever they need to pay him. He's got it going. He's got an identity for a program that, that he can have winning nine, 10 games a year. When they have a down year, now they're going to win seven games and they're not going to be that mad about the winning the seven games. Like that, that's the thing. Nebraska there's, I, I will tell you that Nebraska fans are not what nationally people think they are. They're not sitting there pining away for Tom Osborne in the nineties. They understand that's never going to happen again. Right. They're never going to be the best program in America again. They do still think they need to be competing for big 10 titles every once in a while, which is going to be really hard especially with divisions going away. So if I'm Mark Stoops, why would I trade the same job I took in 2012 Yeah, for the one I have now where I've built it into what I need it to be and they'll pay me whatever I need. You know, Lane Kiffin might be a little bit different story. Nebraska can probably, you know, in terms of money, resource, that I don't necessarily pay salary more than Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is going to pay Lane Kiffin to, to, pretty fairly to be the head coach, but in terms of resources, assistant coaching budget, all that stuff, I think Nebraska can probably do a little more, but that would be up to lane. I do think Nebraska where Nebraska could thrive is doing what lane is doing at Ole Miss, where you kind of own the transfer market because, you know, when you talk to guys who transfer that second recruitment is really different from the first recruitment. They're not, they're not sitting around going, Oh, you know, what's the flashiest name? What pro, you know, what programs in, in this, you know, the best location and they're, they're going, <laughs> are your facilities nice? Do you care about football? If I'm good, am I going to make, am I going to get the bag yeah. for NIL? And do you put guys in the NFL? Despite their lack of success, uh, Nebraska has been putting guys in the NFL. Their facilities are very nice. Yep. And if you blow up at Nebraska, well, you're going to make NIL money. Nicholas Crawford hadn't even played it down yet. He, he got hurt. <laughs> he's he's a national celebrity. So it, that's a place they love their football so much, especially if you were a player who helps bring Nebraska back. So I do think they actually would thrive in the transfer market. So a guy like Lane Kiffin, who's shown an ability to build teams out of the transfer portal, I think would be a very enticing prospect. I don't know how Trev Alberts, the the athletic yeah. director there, feels about, and I don't know how Lane Kiffin would feel about that. I don't know if that's a place he wants to go, but I mean, Ole it's Miss a step. It's, it's a step a up in 
it's a step yeah. up in the hierarchy within the conference of two equally stable and financially lucrative conferences. Yeah. It is clearly a step up within that hierarchy, but Oxford and Lincoln are two very different places. Very much so. I I will say though, you're the most famous person in town either way. Yeah, that's true. So you got to deal with that. I think there's more upward mobility in the big 10 yep. than in the sec mm-hmm. you know, for Nebraska versus for Ole Miss. Uh, it, you know, they, they were very good in the sec last year that seems hard to sustain because you're always going to be dealing with Arkansas having a good year, Mississippi state yep. being good this yep. year, Texas A&M has a number one recruiting class. So we'll, we'll talk about all that a little bit later though. Um, but <laughs> yes, I have A&M questions for you. Andy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think that would be something that would be intriguing, but I have no idea if Lane Kiffin wants to. Yeah. It doesn't feel like anybody else would be, should be all that concerned. Now I'm curious what the dominoes could look like. You know, you know, I don't think Missouri's going to come open, but it's a possibility if that if that thing goes real sideways. We know that Auburn, in theory, could come open. Uh, I think prob- Auburn's going to come open. Probably going to come open. So there could be some dominoes that yeah. happen. It, 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 there, there's no way it can match last year, though. You know who'd be good at Nebraska? Brian Harson. I, I, that's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> He'd be great in Nebraska, and that, that's the thing. Like, I know people. This is an SEC-based show, so people are like, oh, he's he's getting you know, run out of town in Auburn. Why would it? No, he's the wrong person for Auburn. Yes. But he might be the right person for Nebraska. Arizona state program, a defined identity understands the recruiting footprint. Like that, that matters. He didn't understand the recruiting footprint at Auburn. He didn't, he did not understand what the job was at Auburn. He understands that the job is in Nebraska. No, I've been calling uh, Brian Harson the, the the 2022 Arizona State 2023 Arizona State head football coach Brian Harson is is what I've been saying for a couple of weeks now. Uh, um, that would work too. Uh, yeah. So all right, I let's get to uh, just the the Alabama Texas thing. First of all, highest rated you know game of the year. No no surprise there. Of course, that going to be in an SEC game here coming up in a couple of years. So uh, I do love the Fox ABC ESPN TV ratings war that's going on. But when you watch that game, is it more concerns and questions that are again very small ones for Alabama that you think might play out throughout the course of the year or Texas in the moment and the the crowd and the atmosphere and maybe a Gary Patterson defense that's much improved was that more Texas or was that more Alabama there's a little bit of both I I I think Texas played really well especially that young offensive line I was impressed with the way they just weren't scared uh they weren't intimidated and and physically they matched up as, as well as you could hope against a more experienced Alabama defensive front. So I thought they look good. I have questions about Alabama's offensive line, which look, if you've been following Alabama this year, you, you knew that was going to happen. And then Alabama does not necessarily have the, the wealth of talent receiver that they've had. And they've been really spoiled at receiver. Let's think, think about Devonte Smith, Jerry, Judy, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley. I mean, th- these are not just good. Jamison Williams. These are not just good. Re- these are superstar receivers. And so to not have one of those every year is not abnormal, but it's weird because we've gotten used to it at Alabama. Yeah. And, and so, you know, like the people at Georgia were not shedding tons of tears when Jermaine Burton left. Nobody thought he was going to be what Jamison Williams was for them last year. They've got to figure out who, who those guys are. You know, I thought it was interesting at the end of the game, Bryce Young kind of, you could tell he was going to the guys he trusted there toward the end. So Ja'Cory Brooks, Cameron Latu, you know, and, and Latu's the tight end. But 
those were the targets he trusted. Yep. And and Brooks made the big pl- play in the Auburn game last year too. So it may be that some of these guys are just going to grow into these roles. Like that's the thing. I early in the season, you don't want to make a lot of grand sweeping pronouncements about Alabama if if they're not quite where they need to be because a lot of times those five stars are just getting used to playing their new role and yeah. Yeah. by game 10 they're like, "Ah, I'm good." <laughs> Yeah, I think the running game, the offensive line, that was more concerning than sort of even the undisciplined nature of the game, like a lot of penalties, but not just that drop well, passes. Anderson had maybe his worst game from right. a mental standpoint. Yeah, right. And 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 again, receivers dropping wide open passes over the middle, Jameer Gibbs missing blitz pickups. Like it was not just the one thing that, right. that was undisciplined. It wasn't just penalties. And I think a lot of that stuff gets worked out. I think the receiving core gets worked out. The question is the offensive line in a championship setting against, let's say, Georgia. But I, I want to sort of, I don't want to skip ahead too far because what I find interesting is we now see Arkansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee potentially, and it's early, rising slightly to the top of that middle class with some good quality victories for all those teams, We teams that we all expected to be pretty solid this year. And if you include Mississippi State kind of in the bottom of that group, also maybe rising a little bit. I, they, I, I don't they know host- if I'd put Mississippi State in the bottom of that group. And and that's fair. I, I'm I'm with you. I've had the over six and a half for a long time with a very difficult schedule. But those four will all host Alabama and Georgia. Mm-hmm. So the question is, which of those four has the staying power, and which of those four, in theory, could be the team that we are talking about at the end of the year that knocked Bama off or knocked Georgia off? Well, you saw Arkansas against Georgia last year. Bad matchup. That's a, in any yeah. styles make fights world. That's a bad matchup. So that one I'm not not as concerned about. Arkansas and Alabama feels like a bad matchup too. Um, Tennessee looks like they can score on everybody. I have no idea what Tennessee is going to be able to do defensively against those teams. Yeah. So now if you you can make Al if Alabama's receivers haven't come around, that Tennessee Alabama game could be pretty interesting. I I, I worry a lot less about Georgia against them because Georgia I think they know what they are on offense I think they're very confident in what they are on offense Kentucky I saw them in person on Saturday they got some dudes on defense now and and it's interesting because they don't really have any obvious first round you know none of those these are guys that really not that high highly thought of in the draft world but like Jordan Wright the interception he people just don't do that (laughs) Jacquez Jones jumps in the middle of the hole body slams Anthony Richardson on a play that would have been a touchdown against Utah. Yeah. Like it was a one yard game. So I like Kentucky's defense a lot. I worry about Kentucky's offensive line against teams like that. So it's interesting that you say the styles make fights thing. Cause I think Kentucky, so Georgia is going to play Florida and Tennessee. And then before they go to Kentucky, they're going to play at Mississippi state. And I've been circling that one for a long time because you're going to go emotional, physical battle, you know, another emotional home game against Tennessee. And then before looking ahead to what could amount to may- maybe an, an SEC East championship game, which we've seen Georgia dominate Kentucky in that situation just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But that Mississippi State trip in between with the offense yep. and Will Rogers, Mississippi State's defense is better than people think. Well, and, and, and Zach in Arnett, that's cases, the one to circle. The offense and the defense are changeups that you do not see. They, right, they don't right. look like anything else you see the rest of the year. The three, so three, it's five. Like, yeah. It's like playing the triple option, except both of both sides of the ball have to play the triple. It's not the triple option, but something you don't see 
that you have to just everything, everything changes for you. Like for, for George's offensive line, how you fit every play changes. And, and that's not necessarily the case in other, like you may week to week have a, a defense that very similar concepts. You're not going to see that when you play Mississippi state, you're going to have to scrap what you do and, and rethink it. You can do it, but it does require extra preparation. And, and yeah. that's the part where the, when you, when you put it in context like that with the games that are around it, that's where you have a problem. All right, go, go rapid fire real fast. Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi state. Who do you, who's the best football team right now in your, out of those four? I think it's Mississippi state. Really? I like Mississippi state. I do too. I do like too, that, but, that, Memphis te- that Memphis team. They rolled is not a bad team. I know. Like, that's Arizona and Arizona is getting better. I think Jed fish is doing a really good job there. Now I expected, expected them to go in there and win that game fairly easily. So, but I, I can't wait to see them against LSU. I know. I want to see them against, you know, uh, that level of talent. Well, I'll I'll ask you about that game. Um, all right. So, well, I guess we could start there then looking ahead to this week, because I do want to get to Texas A&M and all the things that are happening and Penn state, Auburn, just lots of drama for both those home teams in critical non-conference games. But I, I honestly can't peg Mississippi State because they always seem to do something Mississippi State-y. They're going, they're going to lose a game or two that is going to blow your mind. But and is they're LS... going to win a game or two that you're like, wait, how did they win that if they right. lost that? Right. How do they go into College Station to beat Texas A&M and then lose to, you know, who, who I guess we know how they lost to Memphis last year. Well, I was going to say, that, that wasn't necessarily their fault. Uh, so at, at LSU, L- LSU licks its wounds. Um, they sort of are, are glad to be out of the limelight and f- everyone's focused on A&M and everyone's focused on Alabama and everyone's focused on all this other stuff now and they're distracted by um, what, what took place. I, I don't think the the game against Florida State was as bad as people said it was, uh, but I still have questions about Jaden Daniels. It's a two-point spread for Mississippi State on the road in Baton Rouge. What what do you make of the matchup in terms of you know Matt, the, the defensive line now without Mason Smith? Well, I, I think Will Rogers is going to have more time to throw, which is pretty helpful. And, and LSU secondary is not what we're used to out of LSU secondary. They've, they've had to fill with transfers. And so I, I do think there's a, there's a good chance Mississippi state can, can control the ball and you know, that they're an air raid offense. They're not trying to, to rack up 40 minutes time of possession, but I think they can, they can move the ball steadily down the field because it's you know i it's not going to be bo pelini playing man they're not going to be able to throw for 600 yards just over the top but i do think they should be able to generate some pretty productive drives and then they're going to force lsu to score and and we'll see if Jaden daniels can can get that going against a defense that has got pros on it mm-hmm. and is old like emmanuel forbes is an nfl corner that that, that d-line the 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 three guys that are in there too deep and they all rotate. Every one of them, I think, is twenty three years old or older. <laughs> it's like some BYU like, stuff. Grown ass man. Yeah. Um. All right. Is is Jimbo Fisher and and Texas A and M is this the next conversation we're gonna have where we just use the phrase like the offensive evolution? Like we talked about Saban and Kiffin. We talked about. Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin and uh, JT, you know, is that just all this is, is that we've, we've just, is it more Haynes King being a third year player and they're not there yet, which is the same thing we say every single year about A&M, or is there a deeper, more 
more um, difficult problem to solve with Jimbo Fisher's offense being the slowest offense in the history of the world. I think there's this is an inflection point for Texas A&M because if you look at their schedule, the next four games get progressively more difficult every week. Every one of these teams they play has an effective, experienced quarterback. Every one. So one in five is not off the table, which is insane to think about. I don't think it happens, but it's in the realm of possibility because Miami, Arkansas, at Mississippi State, at Alabama. Arkansas is a neutral site. All of them have quarterbacks. They're good. You're going to have to score points. I wouldn't be shocked if we see Max Johnson either starting against Miami or coming in against Miami if they can't move the ball because they don't have a choice. And here, here's the thing. Even if you go two and two in this stretch, which is not easy, by the way, then you come out of it with three losses. You're probably going to drop one somewhere down the line because you're going to be playing some decent teams down the line. Yep. And then you're right back in that eight and four zone that you were supposed to break out of this year. Like nobody expected them to win the SEC. Nobody expected them to win the national title, but it's year five under Jimbo. And it's time to stop the eight and four. Well, now if you drop this one this week, eight and four is going to look like something you're hoping for. It is, but is that just a coordinator hire? Is that like what? What is the it's answer? Not a and if we, like, what's the, the answer? Jimbo Fisher can keep calling plays. He just needs to accept that the world of offense has changed and do his own Lane Kiffin vision quest. Like Nick Saban sent Lane Kiffin on a vision quest <laughs> to study all of the the up tempo offenses in the country and decide what pieces of those he liked the best. Jimbo Fisher needs to go on his own vision quest and figure out what can I take from all of these other cool offenses that will work in my offense. And so I, I do work with Aaron Murray, former Georgia quarterback. I, I work with him a lot on, on Sirius XM. He told me something that since he said it last year, every time I watch Texas A&M, I see it and I can't not see it. <laughs> and it bothers me. It bothers Aaron a lot more. But it, Aaron always talks about how Jimbo makes his quarterbacks hold the ball when they're in the pocket. It's, it's cocked by the ear for the most part and they're as they're moving around and it makes them move very robotically. And if you look at the best quarterbacks in the country, like Bryce Young and moving like that in the pocket, Sam Hartman's not moving like that in the pocket. They're, they're moving naturally in the pocket yeah. and Hendon Hooker's not doing that. And so there are things they can do in terms of how they teach the offense, the plays they call, because it's a very diverse playbook. There are plays in there. They don't have to add anything. There are plays that they run in a practice that can work. But they have to be willing to do the things that help their quarterback out. Yeah. You know, we did a thing on my podcast last week about – we talked about coaches that that have left Nick Saban and worked for Nick Saban and what they took from him and what they didn't and where that could be a downfall at times. Well, Jimbo Fisher took everything in terms of program building – process-oriented thinking. The one thing he didn't take was adaptability. Yeah. He did not take Nick Saban's adaptability. And so when Jimbo Fisher has an offense that isn't working, his thought is the players need to execute the plays I called. 
when Nick Saban has an offense that isn't working, he goes to the offensive coordinator and says, call plays they can execute. Yeah, fit fit, fit the offense to the personnel, not not the other way around. Uh, Billy Napier seems to have taken all the right stuff, by the way, uh, from from Nick Saban. Um, Penn State and Auburn against Kentucky, but <clears throat> no, it didn't. And I think that I, I think people just overreacted to a really awesome Kentucky's win against good. Utah. Florida's, Kentucky's good. Florida's not there yet. Just because they beat Utah does not mean that they have arrived. No, they they were seventh after the Utah win. They're seventh after the Kentucky loss in the SEC. That's about where they're going to be, which is good. Which is a good first year for Billy Napier. Uh, Auburn, on the other hand, struggling against San Jose State. They still haven't found a quarterback. Harson bet on himself to some degree by elevating people from within and saying, I'm going to develop the quarterback. I'm going to be the guy. Which I, which I think was the only move he could make. Right. After, but after what happened. What, what like, this is such a fascinating game to me because I think both fan bases have very, very strange relationships with their head coaches. Yeah. Penn State's a three-point favorite, which means I guess they'd be a nine-point favorite in Happy Valley, which I guess that feels right. I have well, no be, idea. Maybe a six-point favorite in Happy Valley. I have no idea what to expect in this game. Uh, two good defensive fronts. Two questions. I mean, I don't. I don't. I have yeah. no idea, Andy. Yeah, and it's interesting. Sean Clifford, much maligned Penn State quarterback, he leads him to a win at Purdue. And then you're like, okay, how do you like Sean Clifford now? And and if you ask the Penn State fans, they're like, yeah, but that series Drew Aller played, he looked pretty damn good. So it's it, it is an interesting situation. I think Penn State, should, given what I saw from Auburn against San Jose State, I think Penn State should come in here and win this game. If they don't, that fan base can be all over James Franklin. And I just like Jimbo Fisher, we were just talking about, Jimbo Fisher ain't going anywhere, and James Franklin ain't going anywhere. Because he just got a big old contract that is 85% guaranteed. Nothing is happening to James Franklin, whether you're mad at him or not. So he's going to... Now, I, I some, wonder... Some administrators in this business, Andy. I mean... <laughs> well, right. And that AD has gone now. He's got a yep. new AD. Yep. So, you know, the, the pressure's not on him. The pressure's on Harson, And we'll see how he performs. But, you know... I didn't think that offense looked very good. No, it didn't. Uh, let, let me, I mean, I'm with you. I think Harson's out. I think it, it was pretty obvious as soon as Alan Green stepped away early ahead of his, the end of his contract, the AD. I, I guess I'm curious to get your perspective and Nebraska's going through this now. We had a huge carousel last year. What do you gain? Honestly, what do you gain from being first uh, out? Like if Auburn loses to Penn State in a really ugly way, they fall to LSU in two weeks and they fire Harson and they move on like we all expect him to happen. What does the timing do to you and your ability to sort of like organize a search and get some like, you know, under the table or backroom yeses and nos from from agents? I, I think you it helps some. I don't think it matters that much whether you do it in week two or week eight, nine. You can get all that stuff in a week or two and and be ready. And so once once you can actually talk to people, you're set, you have your your targets finalized. Uh, with Auburn, I would assume they would like to put an AD in place before they make the hire if they do that. So if you have some space between there now, whether that AD is actually going to have any power to make the hire or not is <laughs> it is Auburn we're talking about. So we don't know. We don't know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't know how that's going to happen, but so if yeah, if things are ugly and you know, you're just going to pay the buyout anyway, just go ahead and do it. I mean, we saw Nebraska did. Think about this, Brady. They, they saved eight million. They could have saved eight million, eight million dollars. Seven and a half million dollars. If you fire dollars. him three weeks later, how pissed do you have to be at someone <laughs> to pay him seven and a half million dollars to not work for three more weeks? Yeah. Like that, 
That's that's one that's Larry, a whole ass beach house. That's one Larry the Cable Guy show, though. You know, Larry the Cable Guy does one show, and he can pay that whole thing. You know what I mean? Like he can do. So he's like whole... the Ke- he's like the Kevin Hart commercial where he's yeah. like, "Do you know how many jokes you got? I got to tell to make a million dollars? Well, maybe just one. Just but... the one. <laughs> just just the one. I uh, listen. I I'm just. I think people don't understand the search firm process. That they're actually what they do is they. They provide like really detailed on the ground analysis of people from all over the country. You it's also not... can do that before you fire your coach. Right. There were a couple instances right. last year where the, the the process was already begun before the coach was actually fired. And you don't need the new AD to do the firing. You just need the new AD in place to do the hiring. So it's mm-hmm. I, I again, I, I'm just people and are like, Auburn, oh, you don't actually need the new AD in place. <laughs> right. You just need you just need yellow wood and you'll be fine. Uh, that's all you need. Uh, okay. Well, uh, thank you for giving us some time, Andy. Uh, you've got the 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 uh, the book there, getting to neutral. Of course, you can, if you're watching on the YouTube's, you can see it there over the over the sh- over the shoulder there. Uh, I do like I do like you going full Greg Sankey and writing books about you know life and leadership and all this other stuff. Just go full Greg Sankey. Where, he read th- both of them too. That's yeah. that's yeah. He 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 <laughs> he plugged them on the. He didn't even know I I had, I had helped write the first one. When he plugged it on the internet, like, you know, that's my book, right? <laughs> uh, and you got the Andy Staples pod podcast feed, which has got all kinds of great content all, all over that feed, every single place you, you go. And then, of course, make sure you pay for good journalism at The Athletic. Did I miss anything at all? That's everything. There we go. You're genius. Pay for good journalism at The Athletic. Uh, listen to the pods and buy the books. I think that's everything. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season, dude. I hope it's as good as the first two weeks. Listen, I, I am so excited. And if you'd like me to come back on in a few weeks and tell you how excited I still am, I think I will be. I, I, I really th- I think this is going to keep up. I, I do the, the middle of the pack in every one of these conferences, the Pac-12, the Big 12. It's all great. And the middle of the SEC is even better than I think people think. And so what it's gonna I be love a lot is we're not we're not hyper focusing on the playoff. We're not hyper focusing on the national. And, and I'm sure we will get to that point. But we're having a hell of a lot of fun. With everybody right now. Be a diehard fan and you will never be disappointed in college football. Ever. Ever. Exactly. That's what it is. Stay up until (laughs) 2.30 watching Fresno State and Oregon State and Jonathan Smith stones that need to be carried around in a wheelbarrow. I, I know this is a I know this is an SEC show, but I did fall. I, I intentionally took a nap during the first half of the Baylor BYU game so that I could come back and watch the second half. Um and and listen, Jonathan Smith again. If you love like physical identity, offensive line, run the football, and also bags of tricks, that's the guy to watch. That's like yeah, too bad Nebraska can't hire Oregon State's coach again. (laughs) Because because those are the rules. It's just science. Yep, you can't you can't do it. Not allowed. Uh, Andy, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, Braden. That was Andy Staples, who says that Mississippi State, Aaron, is the best team of all the teams that we talked about before we talked to Andy Staples. Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, he says Mississippi State is the best of all of them. How about that? Mm. I mean. Big words. It is. Mississippi's got a lot of letters. It does, and I think I, I, still, I would still put them behind Arkansas, but he, I, he could definitely make a strong case for me with the other two. Uh, all right, Florida at home against South Florida, 24 and a half. We'll make picks against the spread later on. That's a get-right game for me with Florida. Missouri need, desperately needs wins uh, after that garbage performance. We didn't even talk about that really against Kansas State. That was such a bad performance. We didn't even talk about it. Play uh, Abilene Christian. They need to get healthy against Abilene Christian, pick up a W there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Ole Miss at Georgia Tech, 16-point favorite. 
you know, pick a quarterback and 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 be efficient against a, a better team, a power five team on the road. But they're a heavy favorite. Georgia Tech's not great. So I don't know what you have if, if you have any thoughts on that. But Vanderbilt plus two and a half on the road against Northern Illinois. This might be the best chance for Vanderbilt to hit the two and a half the over. How are you feeling, Aaron Dugan? I feel that if they can't, it, it really needs to be this week. I mean, if not, what if not now, when? Because I mean, South Carolina, Missouri, Ole Miss, those South are, Carolina, Missouri, they Ole almost Miss, beat South Carolina last year. I, I understand. Um, South Carolina, <laughs> and, I, I get it. Uh, they do go. Vanderbilt always, no matter how good Ole Miss is, with a couple of exceptions in my lifetime or my memory, it's always close. There's for whatever reason that game yep. tends yep. to be close. Um, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, one of us normally screws it up at the very end, <laughs> and it's but it is fun. It was that's my, an excellent way to put it. <laughs> I mean, it's my favorite post game interview ever was when. South Carolina barely beat Vanderbilt and Steve Sawyer is still coaching and I never laughed so hard. Um, and, but I, was that, I a, think, was that like a Thursday night in the rain? It was Thursday night. I think it was raining. I was doing lighting. Maria Taylor was doing sideline reporting. Me and, Ch me and Childers would have been first row for that game. Yeah. Y'all were there. Y'all were there. Cause <laughs> right. yeah. Cause our other friends that you and Childers that. know were there. Yeah. And I was like, I swear the light on Maria Taylor was probably like shaking. Cause I was laughing so hard. Cause I think I've told you this before. Cause but Steve Spurrier was like, know what Maria she'd be like you know coach how are you how are you feeling about pulling that off he's like Maria we got a real bad football team this year we're not good at on <laughs> offense we're not good on defense we're real bad I mean just kept that was his only answer it was like it's we're not so good, good at football so it's funny so um but if it's not yeah. one of those two it would have to be Missouri it's it'd be Missouri or South Carolina in my mind but I think it would be much easier if it was Northern Illinois plus two and a half you're an underdog to a Mac team that lost last week thank you <laughs> Listen, the um, Wake Forest game, we haven't talked about that either. The Wake Forest game, there were moments of nice things there, but A.J. Swan came in and is the backup in the third quarter. The game was out of hand. I don't know if that's a controversy or not. We'll see what they do moving forward. But you got this is probably your chance to hit the over. you got to go beat Northern Illinois. Show some mess, Flex some SEC muscle this weekend, Aaron. Give them a speech or something, okay? On the ground. Uh, yeah, I know. I need, to, I need to pep talk them. Hopefully Mike Wright is in his, you know, is in his element and yep. is able to yeah. kind of lead lead the way because he's going to be very 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 much needed. Yes, he will be. There's not uh, a whole lot to say. I mean, I hope they can pull it off. I do like AJ Swan's skill set though. I saw him at spring practice a bunch and in fall camp. He's the freshman. He's big yeah. body, big arm. Like he kind of looks the part of an SEC starting quarterback. So doesn't mean that Mike Wright's not deserving of being the guy, but. Um, should be a lot of fun there. Ole Miss at Georgia Tech. I'm going to keep an eye on that one. That one's interesting. Just if that one ends up being closer than people think, that's a concern there for Lane Kiffin's offense. But uh, that offensive line is pretty good, so we'll see. Georgia uh, otherwise... Tech has surprises up their sleeve sometimes. Yes. And they... I don't think they're as good this year as they have been in the no, past. But... No, no. So uh, make sure you check out the Friday pod, the Friday edition, where you pick every single game against the spread, of course. Go to the YouTube page. Turn on the notifications. Aaron, where can people follow you? Um, the Aaron Dugan on oh wait the Aaron Dugan on Twitter and Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. What about there you? you there you have it. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. There you go. Enjoy week three, everybody. We do appreciate you guys hanging out with us. So please share the show. Please check us out on the YouTube page. We do 
love and appreciate all the support that you guys give us. So otherwise, have a great weekend. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for Andy Staples for hanging out as well. Enjoy week three. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. Bye.